Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war in the pandemic, many nurses and healthcare professionals began sounding the alarm on the medical malfeasance that was occurring in hospitals across the country. The narrative was that COVID was killing all of our patients, but this was not the case at all. These patients didn't die from a disease. They didn't die from a virus. These patients died in a hospital holocaust, and this shamelessly corrupt system used its well-intentioned nurses to carry out their sinister plan. It is imperative that we address this issue head on and hold those responsible accountable for their actions. As a society, we owe it to ourselves and future generations, not only to acknowledge these horrific crimes, but also to take proactive measures to prevent them from ever happening again. I believe that history will remember this as the greatest crime against humanity that it has ever seen. We must demand transparency, accountability, and justice for the victims whose lives were needlessly cut short. We need to stand together in solidarity with doctors and nurses who truly embody the values of compassion, empathy, and integrity. By shining a light on these dark corners of our healthcare system, we can work towards creating a safer world where trust is restored in those who dedicate their lives to healing others. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can now submit those to us by sending them directly to nurses at americaoutloud.com. We will be featuring your questions and comments every Tuesday on a special Q&A episode with the nurses. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is Ken McCarthy, a prolific author and publisher who has made significant contributions to the world of investigative journalism and healthcare literature. With an unwavering commitment to uncovering the truth, He has authored several thought-provoking books, including Fauci's First Fraud, which sheds light on the early career of Dr. Anthony Fauci, and Bank Failures, a gripping exploration of the financial industry. As a publisher, he has also played a crucial role in distributing important work such as the Nuremberg Code, which examines medical ethics, and the COVID-Con series, which critically analyzes the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Ken also is one of the early pioneers of the movement to commercialize the internet in the early 1990s. Time Magazine credits him with being the first person to recognize and articulate the importance of the click-through rate as a key metric for making the internet commercially viable. He was introduced to the practice of science as an undergraduate at Princeton University, where he studied psychology and neuroscience. He's currently actively involved in advancing innovations and neurology, and rehabilitative medicine through his support of fundamental research. 
Ken's dedication to investigative journalism, his contributions to Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, these have solidified his reputation as a major contributor in both content and marketing. With a commitment to truth-telling and a passion for uncovering hidden truths, Ken continues to make a significant impact in the world of literature and healthcare discourse. In his latest groundbreaking book, What the Nurses Saw, Ken delves into the experiences of nurses like myself, and he offers a unique perspective from his investigation into the systematic medical murders that took place inside hospitals during the COVID panic and the nurses who fought back to save their patients. Ken, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Kim, and thank you for your patience. Uh, Spectrum turned off my internet this morning at 9 a.m., and I'm I'm working with a very yeah. rigged system. I'm, I'm telling you, it's always, you know, the, the enemy will throw anything at us, right? When we're speaking truth, doesn't it seem like uh, things like this uh, often happen uh, in this space, I feel like, but um, you're going to get through it. Absolutely. I have no doubt about that. Um, but thank you. And, you know, I want to say to you first off, Ken, thank you for giving the nurses a voice. And thank you for allowing me to share my story with you. You know, it was truly an honor to be featured in your book. Thanks for thanks for giving us the time, you know, and 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 giving us your experience and your insights. Yeah, I think you know it's so important. Um, it's so important for for us as nurses to be able to share what we went through, and still, so many are really asleep at the wheel. So many inside the system are still not seeing what's happening right in front of their faces. So I think books like this are so important in getting that message out there because maybe they feel like, you know, something is amiss, but they think they're the only ones or they think they're crazy. But when they hear from other nurses, they they start to open up and it hopefully inspires courage in them to speak out and, um, and share their stories as well. Well, you know, Kim, this is the first book on the subject of the systemic murder of patients in hospitals under cover of COVID. There have been individual books on, on individual cases yeah. and documentaries and, and, and some press attention to individual cases, but nobody has shown that this thing is a system and, and put all the evidence in a book. Yeah, and that's it's so important. And I, I did receive my copy. I'm so excited to really sit down and dig into it. And so I'm 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 featured in this book. And also, you have some incredible nurses in here. Nicole Sierotek as uh, the founder and one of the early uh, whistleblowers, um, uh, founder of American Frontline Nurses. She is featured in here. Uh, you have my amazing friend and uh, fellow nurse Ashley Grog is featured. She's a master's prepared nurse that uh, has taken on the VAERS project, which is providing education for nurses that um, don't even know how to submit a VAERS report. It's amazing. You know, it occurs to me that Tennessee is well represented in yes. this book. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, who else? Oh, nurse Aaron is featured in here as well. You have also Mark Bischofsky, uh, the uh, respiratory therapist. We, so you we have got... Canada, who founded Canadian Frontline Nurses. Yes, yes. Kristen Nagel, right? She is in there as well. Just amazing uh, warriors in this fight and how you were able to get so many uh, of these incredible uh, nurses and healthcare workers together in one book is is fantastic. So um, well, I, I say this, I, I interviewed eight nurses for this book. I realized I could have interviewed 80. I could have interviewed 800. Um, what I'm finding, I'm attending a lot of uh, medical justice calls, and these are families of of of, of killed 
loved ones and people that survived this. Uh, and a lot of them are nurses. A, a, a surprising number of nurses had loved, loved ones killed in the hospitals. And yeah. some of these are, are veterans. Uh, and I'm realizing I did eight. I could have done 80. I could have done 800. Maybe I could have done 8,000. So maybe a lot of nurses have not gotten um, public attention or they've been a little reluctant to step forward, which I certainly understand given what's been done nurses that have stepped forward, but I think there are easily hundreds of veteran nurses who could have said the same things that you and Aaron uh, and Nicole and, and uh, so many other people have have said. So, you know, younger nurses or less experienced nurses, um, you know, because there's never been a book that they could read, uh, because they're only hearing this maybe piecemeal from one person at a time, maybe they don't understand the enormity of this. So I'm hoping that this book is going to shine a light on this is a system. This is not a few unfortunate things that happen. This, right. and, and we're trying to calculate uh, how many people were actually killed this way. I mean, you know, we, we know that uh, one, you know, I'm going to give rough numbers, that one million people supposedly died of COVID. But we also know that 900,000 of them died in hospitals. Yes. Now, we've all, we've all heard about the difference between dying of COVID or dying with COVID. But really, until this book, other than individuals like yourself and, and, and some of the nurses, nobody has asked the question, how many died of neglect, yes. of incompetence and of malfeasance? We don't have an answer to that. We really don't have an answer. But we do know that that there's a candidate. Uh, number of 900,000. Uh, for instance, we don't know how many people were put on remdesivir. We don't know how many people died of being put on remdesivir. We don't know how many people were put on vents. We don't know how many people died of being put on vents. We know people were put on very powerful sedatives and psychoactive uh, to, to restrain them. Um, we don't know how many people died of that. So we're not talking about a few unfortunate cases here and there. We're talking about tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands. So this this is a major thing that has unfortunately been overlooked. I think, you know, everyone's back to school. Uh, I, uh, no, I don't think people are still being forced to get infected to, to, to keep their jobs. I think most people realize the, the injections are, are, were, were nonsense and unsafe. So a lot of the big problems have you know, seemingly been taken care of. But this is the big problem of all because, and here's why this is so important, they are still killing people in the hospitals using yes. these protocols as of this moment. Absolutely. And people don't realize that this is still happening. And it's like, as you mentioned, it's like the perfect storm, right? It's it's the remdesivir, it's the ventilator, uh, it's the sedatives, it's all coming together to create this perfect storm. And um, this is what is killing these patients. Because, and that's one of the points that I bring up, and it's just a question I ask, I like to ask thought provoking questions of people. Why are all of these patients that are, why are they only dying in hospitals? Why are we not pulling bodies from homes? Why are we not pulling bodies off of the streets if we think of our homeless population where they're not getting any treatment at all? Why is it that they're only dying in the hospitals? And it's, you know, really not difficult to come to the conclusion that it is the treatment and the neglect and the medical malfeasance that is killing these people. And, you know, another angle to this, Kim, is why is the American death rate from COVID so over the top? Yes. It, it doesn't even compare. I mean, maybe to UK and, and Australia and some of the other 
demented countries, but you look at normal countries, we, they don't have anywhere near a death rate from COVID that we have. Right. And was it was it in um, India, I think that was, or was it Brazil? I can't remember which country it was that was using ivermectin and they had an extremely low death rate because they were actually treating. They were actually treating the disease. Well, um, that's a really important point. India was one and then many, many African countries. These, these, com- these countries are familiar with ivermectin yeah. and a little of trivia that people may not know is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have sent hundreds of millions, if not billions, of doses of ivermectin to Africa and the third world over the last 10 plus years uh, as a parasite uh, treatment. So they knew darn well that it was uh, for humans. They knew darn well it was pretty safe. Uh, And yet they kept silent while ivermectin was called horse pace and was being denied to patients. so that's, you know, that's just another wrinkle uh, to, to all this. Exactly. I mean, the, the fa- that's when I really started questioning things when, you know, a medication that has been safely used for decades, you know, in humans, you know, safely used uh, in humans for decades has a higher safety profile than an aspirin or a Tylenol was being completely demonized. And then we're seeing, I think it was the CDC or the FDA, I can't remember which uh, of the horrific three-letter agencies put out the meme about uh, you're not a horse y'all or whatever it was. Um, just so completely ridiculous and egregious demonizing this uh, life-saving medication. There is no telling how many people could have been saved by just uh, doing this. And the other thing that they did during COVID, not only did they, did they deny um, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but simple things like anti-inflammatory, they did nothing to mitigate the damage. They just yes. sent you home and said, come back when you can't breathe. No, uh, they, they said the absurdity that ibuprofen was contraindicated in COVID-19 patients. So ridiculous. This is, this is so important. Um, but- and I want to get into that next, but I do. I want to say one last thing about ivermectin. Every single person that said ivermectin was horse pace mm-hmm. was a liar, and they knew they were lying because this is a drug for humans. It's been used for decades, and its safety profile is well known. So these were all these people were literally lying in the service of killing patients. Every news person, yep. every doctor who did that was a liar. Now you brought up something really important, which is very little known. Not only did they ban vitamin C, and, and we're talking about banning. Yep. If you hospital as a COVID patient, in quotes, you couldn't get vitamin C, you couldn't get vitamin D, you couldn't get ivermectin, uh, you couldn't get hydroxychloroquine. Okay, fine. But they also banned ibuprofen. Yeah. They also banned steroids. Now, Kim, I'm going to ask you a question. You're a nurse of, of, of many years. You know a lot of nurses aren't ibuprofen isn't that the go-to for any inflammation if you if you want to try something simple and mild yep typically we'll use ibuprofen or sometimes they'll use an NSAID of some kind uh, depending on if the ibuprofen is contraindicated for the patient but yeah this is something that we've used yeah it's the go-to and for to hear it say you know it was contraindicated in these patients made no sense to me it was like we were just not mitigating any damage you know what but that's that's what we do when we treat viruses right we um we can't necessarily treat a virus but we can mitigate the damage and and go from there so we're using steroids we're using anti-inflammatories and but none of that happened none of that happened we just left these patients there to pretty much die well i mean i think it even went beyond contraindicated these substances were banned yes and, and aggressively banned 
and, and everybody, even if you're not a doctor or nurse, you know that early treatment of any disease yeah. is, is the ideal. And so they deliberately created a system whereby the people that were having the early stages of this disease could not get useful early treatment. And as you pointed out, it was set up so that those who were vulnerable would get as sick as possible and go to the hospital in fear of their lives, which is, which is what people to the hospital. And I think we need to get into what happened at the hospitals. Um, first, they would give you a COVID test. And if that test didn't work, they'd give you another one and another one. And it, right, repeated yeah. COVID until they finally came up with a positive test. Now, we all know these tests were unreliable. And that comes from uh, the late Kerry Mullis, who actually invented the PCR technology. He said it should never be used as diagnostic because it's not reliable. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, they would, they would, as soon as you had a COVID reading, you were then declared a COVID case. And then they would put you on oxygen. Now, the minute those two things happened, they then had a green light to start pushing remdesivir on people. Some people knew remdesivir was dangerous and said no. Most people didn't know. They thought it was the cure and they accepted it. Uh, remdesivir is known to cause organ damage. Yep. And in fact, it, and they were telling us in the newspaper and, and, and on TV that COVID was causing organ failure. That's ridiculous. Kim, have you ever yep. seen a respiratory disease cause organ failure in, yeah. in other organs in yeah. a matter of no, Have never. Ever? So, never. so, so many happened in these hospitals that was contrary to well-established medical principles and that were unhinged and made no sense. And the nurses came forward right away, like Nicole, like Aaron, like others, and said, look, you know, you said, you know, because the nurses the, in the original wave, the nurses didn't know what remdesivir was. How could they? It, it was brand new. And they were told, this is the treatment. Let's use it. Well, well, you just... Why, why would you not? You've been, you've, you have to trust what you've been told. But they saw immediately that remdesivir was causing severe injuries. And in our interview with, with Nicole, she talks about her fighting and saying no. She said, I am not giving this patient remdesivir. And everybody came after her, the head nurse, yes. the physician, the, the administrator of the hospital. And the reason why? They were getting paid for every course of remdesivir they put somebody through. So the, pal so the process was... Do you have a positive COVID test? Yes. Uh, we'll put you on oxygen. You know, maybe the, what, what's the technical term for the nose thing? A nasal cannula. Cannula, cannula right? Mm -hmm. They put you on the nasal cannula or the BiPAP. Now, let's talk about BiPAP. BiPAP is not the most comfortable thing in the world. It's a little scary. And, yeah. and what I, after I wrote the book from some nurses is that sometimes the flow was turned up deliberately super high to make it even less comfortable. And, and, and it, so it, it is a worrying anxiety provoking thing for a patient. So what did they do? They said to the patient, they said to the patients, Oh, you, you, you know, you're, are you, are you, are you uh, agitated? We'll give you some, you know, psychoactive drugs to calm you down. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, and here's, here's, here's how they killed people. Another way they kill people. They said, well, if you can't handle the BiPAP, then you need to be intubated and vented. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. This was the line given over and over and over to we don't know how many thousands of patients. Now, Kim, how often do we do people vent patients? What is it a common thing? Do you just do it at the drop of a hat? Is it like giving out an aspirin? How serious? 
it. And the book answers the question, but I'd like to hear it from you and the audience should hear it. Yeah, intubation like that, it should always be a last resort. Typically, it's when a patient is in uh, respiratory distress. And here's what really I found to be the most egregious thing that I saw at the bedside after nearly uh, 30 years in healthcare, as I'm seeing uh, them pushing for early intubation, which was not about the patient in the bed. They were doing this in an attempt to contain the virus because once that patient is on a ventilator, it's a closed loop system. The virus is no longer being disseminated into the air. So they were doing this as a means to protect the nurses and healthcare staff, which to me was a completely egregious. We don't ever do this. This is not a simple procedure. This is a procedure that comes with a lot of risk. In fact, we knew that about 80% of the people that we were putting on these ventilators were not going to come off of it. So to put it to put a patient on a ventilator for no other reason than to protect somebody else from a virus we'd already been exposed to, I mean, it was absolutely absurd on its face, um, was the most egregious thing that I had ever seen. And the, we were literally signing their death warrant by doing this. Yeah, I want to say two things about that. I, I don't think people are put on, on vents just because they have respiratory distress. They have to have major. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not just not just like a little shortness of breath. I mean, you have to be like in respiratory failure and then they're going to ventilate. That would be a better a better word to describe it. Breathing. Breathing happens not because of the lungs. It happens because of the diaphragm. Correct. And the diaphragm is a muscle. And if that muscle stops working, the the air stops coming into your lungs. That's the point at which you would intubate and vent somebody. And now now machines are breathing for you. And the slang word for the pipe they stick down your throat into your lungs is the garden hose. Now, it's not exactly as large as a garden hose, but it's close Close. to it. (laughs) Pretty close. Then they have to put a feeding tube into your stomach. These are delicate procedures which can and do go wrong, especially the other point, especially when they're being done by unqualified personnel. During COVID, many special uh, floors, special room, you know, developed parts of the, of the hospitals were set up to be COVID only. And, and they recruited all kinds of people to work. Sometimes you had your regular doctors and nurses in there, but very often in many locations, you had contract nurses, many, and doctors, many of these contract nurses and doctors did not have qualifications uh, to be working in an ICU at all. They did not have qualifications to do the delicate procedure of venting patients. Uh, some of these doctors and nurses came from foreign countries. Some of them could barely speak English. And they were basically given a list of things to do and told to do them. They were also being paid astronomical amounts of money. The New York City contract nurses were getting $10,000 a month. I mean, excuse me. A week. A week. A week. a week. That's half a million a year, folks. Who knows what the doctors were getting? So if you just think of the logistics, you take a doctor, and I don't want to single out any country, and then they put them on a plane, they bring him to New York, he can barely speak English, he is not an ICU doctor, he might be a podiatrist. Yep. Uh, they, Nicole told me this. There were podiatrists. There were yeah, gynecolog- gynecologists were doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Working in the ICUs. And then you have the rush to vent everybody. And, and as we've and as Kim and I've discussed, this is the last resort. When that diaphragm starts stops working, okay, we now have to breathe for the patient. Okay, so it's not a trivial thing. The other thing uh, that I wanted to say about this, oh yeah, is is the fact that. Uh, it is a garden hose. And not only that, you have to be on multiple drips of extremely powerful drugs, including fentanyl. 
they need a drug to para- they need a drug or a complex of drugs to paralyze your body so you don't move and thrash around. They need a complex of drugs to uh, provide painkillers uh, because this is obviously a very painful procedure. They need a complex of drugs to keep you under. This is very close to being under anesthesia. So not only is it difficult to do this procedure, you then need a very qualified, very experienced nurse and or a respiratory therapist uh, or pulmonologist to monitor you while you're on these machines. Uh, Folks were not monitored properly. Uh, We even have cases where the drips were kept in the hall in the hallway and with long with long uh, hoses or long um, tubes going into the patient and 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 the drugs were changed without anybody ever looking at the, the patient to see if they were getting better getting worse and in some cases these patients were dead yeah and no, nobody even knew it so this was absolute mayhem and it was not one off uh, and, and it was a system. It was a system that was was written down and, and everybody got what the rules were. And here's the other key. This, the rules that led to all these people dying were enforced brutally. If you said anything, you were moved out of the ICU. If you continued to talk, you were fired. If you continued to talk, you had your license taken. And in Nicole and other people's cases, if you continued to talk, you had troll armies that were set upon you to threaten you with violence, threaten your children, threaten your family. And uh, one group, and we 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 document this a lot in the book because it's so important, UN supported, it's called Team Halo. And when I say UN We have the video on the website for the book that shows the head of communications for the UN bragging about their work with Team Halo. Team Halo gave out the address of Nicole Sorotek, the physical home address, and she had people showing up at her door threatening her. Uh, Nicole's been through a lot. God bless her for speaking out. And she has taken the brunt of, of these like Team Halo and all of these just horrible horrible people so you know god bless nicole for everything she has done um for this fight because she has she's really been through a lot and i i I dedicated the book to all the nurses but i named nicole especially because as far as i know she was the first she was the first to make it um into public Uh, but notice you know nurses like aaron and nicole were on youtube uh in may uh and you know, there was a little bit of a publicity blip about that, you know, and then they disappeared and nobody ever heard from them again. Yeah. Not, not that they weren't trying. They were they were censored. They were ignored. Uh, and in the case case of Nicole, they were uh, they were threatened and, and uh, treated very, very badly. So this is some really dark stuff. And, and I, I want to tell you why I, who's this book is for. Um, this book is for everybody because you may have a loved one who because the system is still in place. They're not killing as, in absolute terms, they're not as many people as they were back in 2020, 2021, 2022, because there's less COVID cases. But if a loved one goes into a hospital and gets COVID diagnosed and gets on oxygen and gets on on these sedatives, they are on an assembly line to death right now. I'm, I'm, I'm on these medical uh, justice calls, and they are telling me people are being killed this way right now. All right. So this is not some ancient history that, thank God, that's over. It ain't over. But even more concerning is the system that they have set up, declare a disease, declare a protocol, enforce it brutally, have um, nurses and doctors that are willing to go along with it, has not been exposed 
to the public. They can turn this on with another disease for the entire public again, any time they want. And what this was, as far as I can see, from a systems point of view, this was a way to kill the um, uh, hundreds of thousands of people in the in the dark and keep the public dark about it. I mean, we know what's happening in Palestine right now because it's on TV every day. Nobody knows. And by the way, 10,000 civilians killed every month in Palestine. They were killing that many people or more in U.S. hospitals with these protocols. Absolutely. But it was all dark. Nobody knew. Nobody still knows. So that's why I'm glad I'm, I'm on this show. Yeah, I think it's so important. That's why this book is is just an incredible tool to get this in the hands of more nurses who, like you said, younger nurses who may not even have that full understanding yet about what is happening, but maybe they have that, you know, little sense of something is not right here. And they have the opportunity to read from other nurses who have worked through COVID because still I see in nursing groups all the time on, on the internet, I see that they are still so asleep at the wheel and they, they truly believe COVID killed all of their patients and they're getting their fifth, sixth and seventh booster and i pray for them because that's a whole other story um, when we get into the vaccines and what those have done um but i i know uh ken that you are short on time today so i thank you so much for being here i'm gonna keep going I, uh, a few oh, great. great great yeah i mean you just mentioned something about multiple boosters aarp you know the association american association of retired people uh, is one of the biggest publishers in in the United States. I think they just count all the people over 65 or 62 and they all get, you automatically get that magazine uh, if you're that age and you're a member of of that group. And many, many people are in this issue that just came out. There was a question, Oh dear doctor, I've gotten all the five boosters. Should I get the next one? And the doctor's saying, Oh, absolutely. Go right ahead. You, you need that next one. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the vaccination thing is, is a whole nother issue. I do believe and I, and I was saying this in 2020, they were using the terror to terrorize people into accepting the, the vaccine that was on its way. They were pre they were terrorizing people and preparing people to feel desperate and to feel that the, the vaccine was going to save them and then it was going to be a relief. And of course, we know that the vaccine was not safe. We know that just by looking at VAERS, and we know that it was not effective, and and that's the admission of of everybody at this point. Uh, and yet they're and yet they're still pushing it. You know, I want to say something really. I want to say something that's I think so important for young nurses uh, or or nurses that are new to the profession. There are groups you can talk to. Yeah. One of them is uh, NurseFreedomNetwork.org. Uh, Another one, of course, is our friends at American Frontline Nurses. If you're a Canadian nurse, it's uh, CanadianFrontlineNurses.org. Start there if you're a nurse. And and boy, I I have all sympathy for nurses. You know, you've gone through school. You had had hopes and dreams. You you went to school, which is not easy. People don't know that nursing degree is not an easy degree to get. Oh, no, (laughs) not at all. It is really hard. So, you know, they've gone through all this, the younger nurses, you know, and the ones that are just new to the profession because they've come from somewhere else. You go through all this, you have the highest hopes, and now you find yourself in this situation. And uh, I, I can't I can't say that it's going to be easy to look at this material, uh, but I think for, your, for the sake of your soul, yeah. uh, you, you do need to look at it and, and get with one of these groups. Uh, Kim's got a great one. Uh, and, and talk with other nurses and get, you know, band together. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to highlight in the book is that nurses are 
our last line of defense at this point. Uh, I'm just going to say it. There are a few hero doctors, but the medical, the, the, the MD profession has pretty much as a whole gone along with this or kept silent. Yeah. Uh, it is the nurses by far overwhelmingly that have come together, put it on the line and organized groups. Now, th- that's a wonderful thing. And being part of that would be, would be a, a, a wonderful thing. Functionally, nurses are required to protect their patients. They're required to act as advocates. They're required to point out mistakes. They're required to point out malfeasance. Now, that doesn't mean that if you do that, you're going to be uh, celebrated in the hospital. You, you will probably, I mean, bad things will happen to you. I'm sorry to say. Uh, but you need to know what you've got, what you're involved in. And, and you know, you're going to have to make a decision as to how to go forward. And yeah. one, of, one, of, one of the things I love is that a lot of trained nurses are saying, you know what, I'm going to take all this knowledge and information I have, and I'm going to provide it directly to the public. Now, nurses can't do everything. You can't, you know, you can't do open heart surgery. And, you know, if you need something like that, well, you absolutely need to go to a, you know, go to a medical facility. But there are so many things uh, that, that people can treat with the help of a nurse. Uh, and that is one way to use your, your nurse's training uh, uh, rather than be part of uh, this uh, killing machine. Uh, now, I'm not saying every wing of the hospital is a killing machine, but clearly these, these COVID wards, uh, many of them are functioning that way and still functioning that way. Absolutely. And that's, I know, why we're, we're pushing forward with remnant nursing and, and try, trying to have that uh, platform and, and give nurses an opportunity to come out of the system and realize there is a better way uh, to care for our patients. Um, we're up against a break. We're going to go to break and come right back and uh, we'll we'll finish up this incredible conversation. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa 24-7. Great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all of the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate, including a sea of redox, which I can personally speak to seeing fantastic results with, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA cell signaling molecules liquid supplement and check out nurse michelle's recent favorite asia product renew 28 revitalizing redox gel because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when i broke my hip give it a try for your aches and pains and let nurses out loud hear how your health has improved 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop. And it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. It's time. 
Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. If you're just joining us, I've been talking with author and publisher Ken McCarthy, uh, of the new author of the new groundbreaking book, What the Nurses Saw. Ken, thanks so much for being here. Again, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. And we talked a lot about in the first half of the show about what exactly is going on in the hospitals, what the nurses are seeing. Um, but I really want to touch on, you know, how can how can the nurses get this book or really everybody? This is not just for nurses. This is for everybody. Um, you know, it's our loved ones, ourselves that are going to be at risk going into these hospital systems. You have to be armed and prepared when you go in. That's why advocates are so important. So how can the um, public find your book? Well, you made a really good point there. This, I bet we have people on this call who had loved ones killed in a hospital under cover of COVID. Some of them realize it. Some of them may only have suspicion. This book would be an important thing for them to get to understand what happened. Um, I'd also say every person needs this book because you or a loved one may find yourself in a hospital being treated with the COVID protocols and you need to know what these, what these guys are up to. Uh, So there's two ways, there's two ways to find out about this book. One, we have a website called whatthenursessaw.com and we have lots and lots of information uh, from the book uh, right there. And then you can also go to Amazon. We're using Amazon for distribution because they make it easier. Also, I'm sorry to say our independent booksellers in America have really betrayed us. I was going to say let us down, but they've actively betrayed us. I was very active in promoting the uh, Robert F. Kennedy book, The Real Anthony Fauci. I could not get an independent bookstore in my region, and that's a five-county region, to carry the book. Um, Some of them would not even order it for their clients. So that's why we're using Amazon. That's where you can get the book. I've kept the price literally as low as I can. This is a significant book. It's nearly 500 pages, but don't be intimidated by that. It's interviews and then it's appendix material where you can learn what remdesivir is, what the history of remdesivir is. You can learn what what venting means. Uh, You can read the Nuremberg code. You can read the nurses code. Uh, We've got quite a bit of material uh, supplementary, but also the interviews are very interesting. These nurses were were and are heroic. These are great, inspiring stories. So go to whatthenursessaw.com or go to Amazon. And and the other thing is, please, please, please tell people because we are not going to get a lot of publicity for this book. And if people don't tell people, uh, no one's going to know this. And last thing I want to say, this is currently the only book that describes the system of medical murders that's taking place under covid under cover of COVID. There have been individual stories and they're, they're all good and they're all important, but this shows the enormity of it. Uh, and it's the, right now it's the only book there is. Right. And it, that's why it's so important, as we as we said, that we, we get this book in the hands. And not only that, I will say, you know, we, we talked a little bit about trolls and there will be people that will come on and give negative reviews to this book who have not even had the book in their hands, read the book. Um, they will put negative reviews out there. So it's important if you get the book, if you read the book, if you found this book to be useful, please go and um, review, give a, a positive review for this book, because we do have to combat a, a lot of trolls. Uh, trolls, unfortunately. And, and a lot of, 
a lot of a lot of uh, Lord the words. I'm telling you. Um, uh, well, let me, let me tell you a story. Story. So the minute, the minute we put the book on Amazon, there was an instant one star, which is the lowest rating, mm-hmm. roll post instantly, yeah. and then our readers who actually read the book and had positive things to say about it, many of them have written me t- to me telling me that their positive reviews still haven't been posted. Numerically, we need five, <laughs> five star, we, we need three five star reviews to neutralize every one star review. Yeah. And, and yeah, believe me, once the trolls realize that this book is out there, they will be mobilized and there will be 10,000, you know, one star reviews of this book. So yes, if, if you believe in this and if you've had a chance to look at the book or, or if you understand that I actually know what I'm talking about here, you might want to go to Amazon and support the book right now. Absolutely. And I, I did share it with uh, my followers and many of them have purchased the book and I know that they are excited to uh, to read it and to hear about what's actually been going on. And like you said earlier, many people have lost loved ones in these hospitals and a lot of them have been suspicious. And this really does confirm, um, you know, their their initial thoughts. And it's a good thing because many people have to just think they're paranoid or think that they're crazy. And to be able to have this type of validation uh, will be very important to uh, to many, many people. Great. Well, th- again, Kim, again, thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you for being willing to talk and be someone that I could interview for the book. Absolutely. We appreciate you, Ken. Again, I'm so grateful for Ken McCarthy for joining me for uh, the episode today and for giving the nurses a platform in order to share our stories. Um, I think, you know, many of you who are familiar with my story know that it's been a challenge to get our message out there. The censorship has been real. I'm grateful for the platform here on America Out Loud that allows me to speak to all of you and to share my truth and the truth of so many others who have been through this pandemic, who saw what was happening firsthand in the hospitals. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I worked in the ICU throughout the entire pandemic. So I had seen firsthand how devastating the effects of COVID could be, you know, particularly when doctors were doing absolutely nothing to treat it except to tell patients to just go home and come back when they couldn't breathe. You know, that was something I'll never forget. This is not something, and we alluded to this earlier in the episode, this is not something that we've ever done before. We never just threw our hands up and acted like there was nothing in the world that we could do. We would always mitigate the damage, but that wasn't happening here. It was just go home, don't take any Tylenol, don't take any ibuprofen, don't take any vitamins, just go home, um, get worse, and then come back. And come back when you're a prime candidate to be put on a ventilator. this the hospitals are, are scary places right now so i do encourage you i don't encourage covid testing at all um, because you're going to have a bounty on your head at this point right you have a bounty on your head this financial incentivization that goes along with that um, and it's just a dangerous place right now and that's why it's so important and i try to really stress this that it is so important to have an advocacy plan in place nobody thinks that they need an advocate until they do. 
Um, it is so it's best to plan ahead. Um, you never plan on getting sick and having to go to a hospital, but unfortunately, sometimes that does happen, even as healthy as you are. Um, we did an episode here recently with one of our nurses that works at Remnant. And, you know, she talked about she's a very, very healthy individual. She's not vaccinated. And she ended up in the hospital with um, polymorphic VTAC in a life-threatening situation. And she wouldn't have expected that. Again, she's a very, very healthy uh, woman. Uh, she's a nurse. She takes very good care of herself. But nonetheless, she ended up in the hospital having to advocate for herself. And even as a nurse, it can be difficult to advocate for yourself. So we do want to impart on everybody the importance. And whether that be through my organization at Remnant Nursing or another organization, there are others out there. Um, just make sure that you have an advocacy plan in place. Um, again, the the value in that, I, I can't stress it enough. Um, having watched so many of my patients' lives cut needlessly short because they didn't have that type of advocacy. There, we, we took their advocates away from them. Their family wasn't allowed in. Uh, many of the nurses were afraid to ask questions. Many of the nurses were afraid to um, stand up and, and fight back, which is unfortunate. I think, again, and I've said this many times, I feel like that as nurses, we could have collectively done more to stop this. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and this is where we are now. So we have to make sure that moving forward, we never allow this to happen again. I do believe this is one of the greatest crimes against humanity, if not the greatest crimes against humanity that we'll ever see. And we have to ensure that this never happens again. You know, as an ICU nurse, I do understand the enormous responsibility that comes with being a patient's last line of defense. And that's why I always have, and I always will, I will continue asking questions. I will continue advocating for anyone who's in my care. I mean, I had to leave the bedside and it, it broke my heart to do it. This was a career that I loved. I loved being a bedside nurse. And this is, again, all I've ever wanted to do since I'm two years old. And I didn't go back to school until later in life. I've been in healthcare for nearly 30 years, but I did not go back for my RN um, until I was 35. And it took me a while to get it. I was working full time. And so I, I worked incredibly hard and incredibly long to finally chase down that lifelong dream. So when I'm sitting here telling you that I walked away from all of this, I don't say that lightly. This was not an easy decision for me to make. To give all of that up, to burn my career to the ground, nobody will hire me uh, at this point. And not that I want to go back. I have no desire to go back into this broken system. My hope and my prayer is that we are able to continue to forge ahead with what we're doing with remnant nursing and contributing to shifting the paradigm and, and building a parallel healthcare system for all. But understanding that not everybody's able to, to leave the system. And honestly, we don't want everybody to leave the system because there are going to be patients that can't. So we do want those good nurses um, to be in there, but they do have to be questioning. They do have to be advocating and they do have to be ensuring that informed consent is happening. And that's very difficult to do um, when you're a part of that system, unfortunately. 
But I just, again, I want to encourage all of the nurses that are still out there. There's a better way. There's a better way. We are doing everything that we can to create this path for you to be able to come out of this system because there is a, a better way where we can provide more meaningful care for our patients um, that focuses on keeping them well, right? It was so depressing to me as an ICU nurse to watch all of my patients come in, even pre-COVID, to watch them come in uh, just so sick and all we were ever doing was managing their symptoms. We weren't doing anything to get them well. It is a complete and total sick care system, but we can do better. I know my sister and brother nurses out there, I know that you are with me when I say, and you know, we can do better. That's exactly what we're doing with Remnant Nursing. So I would encourage you to visit our website at remnantnursing.org and see what we're all about, see what our um, values and our mission is. And if it aligns with your values and your mission, then let's set up a call and, and talk and let's see if you are a good fit for the remnant team. You don't have to do what I did. You don't have to drop everything and leave and, um, you know, start this whole new system. We're doing it for you. So, you know, you can kind of dip your toes in and see if it's a good fit for you. And then once you start to build your own practice, once you start to build your client base and understand that you can provide care again in a meaningful way, and that you're actually getting people well, there'll be no reason for you to want to stay in this broken and oppressive sick care system any longer. So I would encourage you again, visit the website uh, and, and see what we're all about. Again, you want to get the book. It is called What the Nurses Saw. Author is Ken McCarthy. I will have the link to purchase this in the show notes. And again, it's an incredible compilation of interviews as an appendix of uh, great resources. Um, uh, let me just tell you exactly who is featured in this book. Uh, it's myself, of course. Uh, Nurse Erin uh, Olszewski was in here. Um, Nicole Sierotek, founder of American Frontline Nurses, Ashley Grog from the VAERS Project is featured as well, um, respiratory therapist Mark Bischofsky, um, Kristen Nagel, who is the founder of Canadian Frontline Nurses, uh, AJ DePriest of the Adam Group and Tennessee Liberty Network, and she's also a wonderful, great personal friend of mine. Um, you know, absolute warrior in this fight, the the um, data that she has, and we're going to have her on the show here soon as well, but the data sh that she has is so compelling. So please do get the book, What the Nurses Saw. Again, I will put the, the link in the show notes for all of you. Um, and again, thank you to Ken McCarthy for joining me today, for talking about the book and for giving the nurses this incredible platform. I can't tell you what it means to me personally, and I know to uh, my sister nurses who have been out here struggling. Uh, so again, we wanna dedicate this episode to all of the nurses who spoke out when they had so much to lose, but that spoke out and stood in the gap for their patients. You're on the right side of history, and I am proud to stand in this fight with each and every one of you. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can also catch the encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. 
As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. Again, I'm your nurse. Your, oh, yeah, I'll be your nurse. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. And remember that we are in a war for truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and